Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, everyone. You have arrived at Characters on the Couch. I'm Jordana Horn, and I am here with my dear friend, Dr. Adam Stern. Hi there. And we're going to be chatting all about analysis of fictional people. Welcome back to another fascinating episode of Characters on the Couch. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Horn, and I'm here with Dr. Adam Stern, my dear friend. Hello, everybody, and hello, Jordana. Hi, Adam. Hi, Adam. So, so excited to talk today. I am very excited because we're talking about WandaVision today, and I actually realize now that I was very negligent, and um, I can give a shout out to a friend of mine who is very into the WandaVerse, and I'm very sorry that I didn't reach out to you before we recorded this because uh, she would be a great source of insight. WandaVision is, as always, as a common denominator in the shows that we discuss, the ones that I enjoy the most are the ones that are the most dense and the most complex and that yield the most conflicts. And I would say this one is replete in every one of those categories. Check, check, check. We have Wanda Maximoff. I'm really sorry for you, like Marvel Universe fans, because I'm sure I'm going to screw something up here. I'm I'm not in as deep as you are, and I'm so sorry. I'm, your, I'm actually just going to punt it to you, Adam, but oh, no, I'm just going to let you do it. Everyone send your letters of uh, correction <laughs> to Jordana. Uh, right, and- right. Your flaming brown paper bags. <laughs> Thanks. Um, Thanks for that, Adam. That's nice. So, so I'll do the the thirty thousand foot view of of Wanda, which is yes. which is that as we have sort of watched her grow up in this uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, she is purported to be orphaned with her twin brother. They were. They had some sort of magical powers, each of them different different powers. They were brought in by uh, evil forces and then trained up and tortured and trained up to become bad guys. And then they sort of became Avengers in the second Avengers movie. Uh, they sort of broke good, so to speak. And we've then seen, you know, uh, Wanda's brother... Um, spoiler alert, everyone. She, he, 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 Quicksilver died in that second movie. So we didn't get to know him very well. But we did get to know Wanda over the course of the next like 12, you know, thousand movies that we've seen her in. And, right. And Wanda's had a lot of death in her yeah, life. A yeah. lot of death. Basically, everyone, really, can I say that? Everyone that Wanda has ever loved, with the possible exception, I guess, of the twins that everyone that she's ever loved, whether it's her parents or vision or her brother, everybody's died. Yeah. 
Yeah. Not in a end of life looking back, you know, we had a full, wonderful time together kind yeah, of way either. Tra- tragic and, and uh, traumatizing in certain ways. Yes. Right? Which is very relevant to our discussion. So that's why I yeah. jumped in there. So, so when we enter the world specifically of WandaVision, First, first, I, I just have to step out of the box for a second and say, I love the the accidental history of this show and, and how it came to be. It was going to be the second of the Disney Plus shows that they were going to prove their worth, you know, by doing these not quite movies, but they're still good kind of TV shows. And I think it was going to be like uh, Captain and the Winter Soldier. Not, not, I'm sorry, I'm mixing it up. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And the Snowman, right. And, okay. Yeah, the Snowman guy. And uh, and they were they were going to be first, but production delays, so they moved WandaVision up. And WandaVision came out, and, and everyone was like, what is this show? This show is different. I don't understand what's happening. The first episode looks like a 1950s black and white rom-com. You know, how would you even describe uh, where it starts? It's really a somewhat loving, somewhat sardonic take on Leave it to Beaver, the 50s kinds of sitcoms where you have the perfect marriage and the perfect um, family life. And not only that, I mean, I I say perfect with my invisible eyebrows raised because, of course, it's inherently uh, misogynistic and retrograde, right? You have, oh, the spouse, you know, the male spouse goes out to work with the briefcase. Goodbye, honey. Comes in, expects the martini, feet up on the ottoman while wifey prepares the dinner and the frilly apron, the whole thing. But so initially we start off the series with a tweak on that, with Wanda living her life as though she were a character in this kind of black yeah. and white, highly stylized sitcom. And by the way, there's her husband Vision right there. You know, last we knew he was disintegrated or, or you know, you know, murdered by Thanos. You know, so without explanation, the show just do, you know dumps the audience right in the middle of what appears to be some kind of psychotic delusion. Like, what's happening here? And there's some weird stuff going on. But what they do quite nicely is every week they advance to another sort of TV era, right? And so pretty quickly we get through sort of like a Brady Bunch 1970s era and you get to sort of see the history of TV unfold in front of you and and over time the audience is clued into the fact that this is that 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 these old TV what videotapes were instrumental in her sort of uh distraction as a child from all the trauma that was going on around her and uh that this is somehow meaningful to her and it's how she is coping with the devastating loss of uh, vision, right? But where it gets really, I'm going to toss it to you for the hardest part, which is to explain. Thanks for that, Adam. <laughs> I love to do it. <laughs> How do we explain what she, once the audience starts to realize what she's doing? Maybe you can explain like what. I'm not really sure I can. I would say yeah. that she is basically holding this town hostage to her psychological, intricate system of defenses to reenacting or enacting, I should say, not reenacting, but enacting more benign domestic dramas to avoid the reality of life. But in the meantime, she's taken an actual town 
yeah, and made everyone in this town uh, really her for lack. I mean, they never got into the Sesame Street era, but for lack of a better term, her her puppets, puppets. or Muppets, since we're yeah. Disney, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so she's done this, and and the biggest. I don't know the big to me the biggest thing that separates that makes the show even feasible is it, it almost answers the question what if you were experiencing the worst grief of your life the worst imaginable pain but instead of being powerless you had tons of magical powers and were able to act out you know in in ways that you thought would lessen the pain right now a lot of people do act out in, in in sort of ways that they think will will lessen the pain but but this this puts you know uh, a sort of bad behavior on steroids so to speak because she's literally taken i don't know how many estimated people we would assume are in this town let's say hundreds just hundreds of people right. and taken over their minds and their lives and put them in a bubble and uh, basically running her own little simulation of what life could have been like uh, had she, you know, had room for not only her husband or, you know, love, vision, but also two kids that I don't, I don't even know how to describe the kids because I think they existed as real people, but I'm not sure. I think in one of my more sleepless nights going into the backstory, I think uh-huh. that there was conjecture that they were in fact kidnapped from other families. And yeah. so... That is messed up. That, like, in other words, this whole idea of pain as a game of like pass the parcel. Like, I'm feeling intense pain. I do not want to feel this pain. Mm -hmm. So, in my effort to get away from to get it away from me, I'm going to pass it on to you. And that's really what it is. And I think we're all guilty of that. Perhaps not on that scale. Right. Like, uh, I don't know how it is in your house, Adam, but for me, when I have a bad day, uh, nobody here is having a great day in my house because of the way that we pass on our displeasure, unhappiness, pain. And it's partially displacement Mm -hmm. and it's partially just a way to deal with something that's like too otherwise all consuming. So can you, since you're actually the professionally trained person here, can you talk more about why we do that? And, and as I asked you initially, how far is too far? Mm. Like, I think we can all agree holding an entire town hostage. That's too far. far. Even if it comes up with a great TV show, yeah. It's still too far. Yeah. Even um, when even when we've been trained to like this character for years and years and years, we're like, oh my goodness, I don't think I can like this version of you. You know, this person that's doing this is, is very tricky. Very so yeah, too far. Too far. But I do I wanna answer the first part of your question, which is why is there that urge to make other people feel the way that you feel? There's actually a, a pretty well-defined uh, Freudian defense mechanism known as uh, pro- uh, projective identification, which is essentially the the concept that uh, whatever tension, whatever um, conflict a person might be uh, trying to work their way through, uh, they're able to take the the much more primitive project, uh, projection defense mechanism, put it on to people around them, and then the other people around them, without even realizing it, nobody may realize what they're doing or doing it intentionally. It's just sort of unconsciously happening. Uh, the other people around that person start to feel the way that that person feels. And so uh, 
this is to an extent you could argue this is a, a, a that on a, on a really broad scale is like she's if she can't you know be content and, and happy then uh, nobody can right yeah. right it, spoiler it doesn't actually resolve your pain yeah yeah you know before in our in our very brief pregame before we started recording i didn't ask you if we should at all i i am assuming you have not seen the second doctor strange movie that is correct i yeah. have not but but this character of wanda actually shall we just say is a major character in that movie okay. and you know this this one i will choose to not spoil for the audience but i'll say makes ongoing questionable choices uh, <laughs> okay okay <laughs> fair enough and and not surprising based on what we've seen in this in this show i poor Can wanda I, though i want to make a broader uh comment that i that i i think i read somewhere was loosely you know on the site formerly known as twitter.com or whatever Uh, 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 we don't have to go there it's just something i saw somewhere that was like oh i just realized the entire next phase of marvel's movies is going to be about grief you had wandavision you have mm, the currently the black panther movie is out and i haven't seen it i have not either from the reviews it's like very much inside and out about grieving the loss of this beloved figure. And then um, there was a, a third or fourth uh, example that now escapes me. Uh, but it, it's, uh, it's sort of like an interesting and, and, you know, I always think we talked about this in an earlier podcast about why we're drawn to these superhero stories. It's because they take emotional truths and cores that sort of like we all experience and, and take them to the nth degree and imagine worlds where you could experience them in different ways. Right. Right. And I also think that, I think that it would be a little too detached to not say that really every single person in the world right now is, going through a degree of grief. And that's whether you lost someone to COVID Mm. or you're still in mourning a little bit for the loss, whatever, however it manifested over the pandemic, whether it was your job or your way of life that you lived before. Maybe if you're a parent, maybe you feel bad that your kids missed maybe a significant graduation or maybe years, formative years of their their youth or adolescence. Do so everyone I think is in a position of, you know, I'm not equating the loss of life with, you know, the loss of a prom, but everyone has a little bit of sadness. And so I think that this is, you know, as much as grief is generally a common denominator for all of us, I would say that perhaps now at this particular moment, it's even more relevant than it usually is. Yeah. I often in in sessions, to be very frank, I do often equate things with grief uh, because I think that it helps people going through a loss of a job or a divorce or a loss of a loved one and any, you know, any uh, a geographic change, you know, a dramatic change in who they're going to be spending time with or how they're going to be spending their day. All of those things can hit you hard in many of the same ways that grief can. And by the way, this is a, a segue to what I really, I w- really want to get in, which is that grief and depression share a lot in common. They, they don't, they're not entirely congruent 
they are a Venn diagram of some overlap uh, in terms of symptoms that people experience. And I want to say that I think it's really interesting in, in the most recent edition of the uh, what we call the DSM, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. It's what, it's what psychiatrists are sort of bound to uh, use as our diagnostic tool book. The mm-hmm. most recent, uh, within the last couple of years, the, the most recent uh, edit to it was involving an edition of something called persistent complex bereavement disorder, which is another way of saying complex grief. And it begs the question of, should we pathologize something that everybody experiences? And in psychiatry, that's almost always a question. It's a question Mm. across the board because everybody experiences worry or rumination, but we don't pathologize it until it starts impacting their life negatively. Right. But on the other hand, grief does impact your life negatively. And yet it's something, it's universal, right? It's something that we all go through. You know, I don't know. It's something that I have yet to, you know, a lot of times they'll update this diagnostic book and people in the profession just sort of look around and say, okay, this is the new thing. I don't have to necessarily agree with it every hundred percent of it, but I can appreciate that the the powers that be in the field are trying to represent a phenomenon that, that exists, you know? Right. Well, Wanda fits this, this, I, I want to read the symptoms to you very quickly. And then you tell me, let's, let's see if, if Wanda actually meets criteria. So okay. indefinite yearning or longing for the deceased. Yep. Check. Preoccupation with the circumstances of the deceased death. Yep. Yep. Intense sorrow or distress that does not improve over time check yeah but i mean how do you gauge that like i mean like over what period of time do you measure right because what is considered right so that goes to your underlying point of what is considered normal yeah at the end of this whole list it sort of says look we know these are just symptoms of grief but in this particular new disorder it's the length and the intensity you know and so it's like okay well then you got to define those things and why did you come up with those yes you know yes yeah Anyway, we can we can sort of pause it. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There, but, you know, so what do we do with Wanda? You know, how do we, how do we think about, how do we think Could about, Wanda be treated? Could she be treated? Yeah, so the, the one challenge in all treatments all treatments, you know, that are voluntary outpatient treatments are that at any moment, patient can get up and walk out and be done with treatment. 
right? Yes. And so, you know, that gets to the old joke about, it's a bad joke. I'm warning you, it's a bad joke. I'm, uh, I'm prepared. So, you know, how many psychiatrists does it take to change the light bulb? Well, just one, but the light bulb has to want to be changed. And it takes a really long time. Uh, so, okay. Yeah, it's fair. It's it's uh, that didn't bother me. It, no, no, it's not offensive. It, it, offensively bad or you know, right, right. But so so that's that that's something that most of us, have, most psychiatrists, have heard at some point. But it just really reflects like your patient has to want to be your patient. Otherwise, it's not going to work, right? For right, but isn't that isn't that super annoying though? Because don't you find that some of the characters we've discussed recently, notwithstanding, don't you find that the people who need treatment the most I mean, I mean, there's no actual way of measuring or, or, you know, or making statistics on this, but aren't most of those people not coming in? Absolutely. That's why. <laughs> so, that's one, of the, one of the reasons the world is the way that it is. Right. Uh, you know, there are so many people that have no insight to the potential benefits of if they actually look, took a look at themselves, you know, or like pause to actually try to uh, improve the relationships that they have in their world, you know, or, or how they see the world or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, there's a lot of that going around where, where people, um, you know, denial is a pretty strong motivator for people. Well, but I'm also saying that Wanda in particular, her ability to be in denial is really, I would say probably out of everyone that we've discussed in the course of this podcast, she is at the top of the denial spectrum for me, right? Because someone who has constructed this entire alternate reality so as yeah. to not have to deal with yeah. real reality, yeah. that's not someone who's going to be like, you know what? I think I would really benefit from some talk therapy. Yeah. Well, you know what it reminds me, though, of is because she's so powerful that, you know, they when they write this character, they write her to be you know, one of the most naturally powerful uh, characters in the in the cinematic universe. And she, for her, she can change the nature of reality such that it is real. It seems real. It feels real. It, it's like the Matrix, you know, she's plugged in and every and that, there's that there's that line in the original Matrix from like 1999 where he's like, look, I know this stake is uh, just ones and zeros on some computer screen somewhere, but it tastes good to me, you know, basically. And I mm -hmm. feel like that's her. That's her. She's sort of saying I'm choosing the whatever color pill that that, that guy chose, you know, right. uh, w which is to take the illusion because it feels better. But when you're so powerful that you can make an illusion that's so real, it doesn't actually feel like an illusion. You don't really uh, even necessarily experience it as that. Then you can understand why she why she chooses that road of denialism. But wh where you have to draw the line is, are the victims, right? So it'd be fine if she was off in the woods doing this on her own, you know, just her envision doing nothing, you know, maybe. Right, fine, finer. Not the right fine, word. finer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, not, sure. Not ideal coping, but there would be fewer vi fewer victims. Right. So could she benefit from therapy? Of course, you know, there are, I'm not. Who wouldn't? Uh, who wouldn't? But I'm not an expert in grief counseling or anything along those lines. But I am aware that there are like known strategies about sharing stories creating a narrative, giving time and space for, for healing to occur. And, uh, you know, I think that, that someone being in the experience with her would have been much more helpful than her 
going off on her own. And by the way, like a, a hopefully a positive, friendly influence as opposed to like the witch down the street or whatever. Well, yeah. <laughs> Ideally, sure. Ideally. So, yeah. But it did seem like Agatha is the only one who can, who can be a countervailing influence. Yeah. Right? Because, you know, the, the people from the government don't really seem to uh, no. have that uh, much. As they, sh- you know, they're they're looking at this like this is an act of terrorism, essentially. And the the Agatha character is one of the only characters who sort of sees, you know, calls a spade a spade and sees what it is and, and you know, tries to uh, make take advantage of it, I guess. So, yeah, I don't know, you know, and eventually the show, sadly, it did sort of devolve into uh, a big action sequence. (sighs) Yeah, that was inevitable, though. I mean, uh, I was like, surely people won't put up with this, this (laughs) lollygagging (laughs) right forever, you know, like this is my kind of show, but I don't think this is the kind of show that people are coming to watch. But okay. Yeah. And then when it got into the end, like I was uh, referencing this in our pregame that, you know, honestly, there's a point where I really, I could, I'm sure, take like a good hour of my time and do a deep dive and figure out what the hell is going on. But I won't. Yeah. I just won't because <laughs> I'm just not going to. Um, you know, I'm I'm really... And I don't know if that's a character flaw or laziness or. Well, no, I th- I, I I think that these when we get into to these large comic based universes, it's like there's so much lore, there's so much backstory. It's almost like professional wrestling, where every character sort of vacillates between like good and bad at various points. And mm-hmm. Wanda Wanda is one of those characters who's supposed to be complex and has good days and bad days, depending yep. on what sort of issues of the comics it was. And then in this particular case, like what branch of the movie, you know, universe it's existing in. So, you know, I can appreciate opting out <laughs> from that experience. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Just on the show based on its just on its merit, you know, just on what we see on the screen. It was a really really new, interesting sort of heads-on portrayal of grief that we don't get to see that much. So, yes, and I would say that ironically for all of the artifice that is the fundamental presence of uh, the fundamental point of the show. I think it's remarkably honest and open about the unnavigable death, death being just this uh, man, like grief being something that's so powerful that who you are can get, totally swept away in its tide, at least for some time, hopefully not forever. Mm-hmm. But that's very understandable. And that it seems weird to say it in the context of WandaVision, but that is really relatable. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that, you know, I think that this show probably spanned decades in terms of the average viewer's age. And, you know, I bet teenagers are watching it all the way up through sure. uh, through, through us and, and up beyond us and so i think it was it it actually is the rare rare sort of marvel show that i feel like 
did good in the world, like put out some real, real, real goodness, you know, much in the same way as we talked about with, with like uh, Black Panther and, and some of these, some of these uh, franchises sort of have the ability to transcend. And I'm happy for that. I'm always happy when a show makes me sad, think about things differently. And this, this show, part of the beauty of it was just how out of left field it was. No one, no one knew what was going on for the first couple of weeks. Mm. People were just tuning in and, and trying to figure it out and seeing it unfold much in the way that, you know, that grief often unfolds where it's just sort of chaos. You don't really understand what's happening. You're in denial about what's happening. And then things begin to really settle into a terrible, uh, uh, you know, experience of grief, you know, of yeah. actual, uh, you know, there, there are all these uh, stages, right. Of grief that, that, that people have talked about for ages. It's not really been well, well uh, demonstrated to occur, you know, denial and anger and bargaining. And, you know, it's not really like one, you graduate from one stage to the next, to the next. It's really, like, <laughs> although, although that makes me think of that Simpsons episode, which, you must have seen. I'm sure uh, I've seen it. Where somewhere. he goes, where he goes through, Homer goes through all five stages in 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 in, in one minute, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just you know uh, to acceptance, and it says, <laughs> and it says, and we all got to go sometime, yeah. like you. <laughs> Oh, I need to, I'll find the clip and send it to you. It's so funny. I mean, yes, and it's, but we, we can't talk about WandaVision without talking about the line, like the best written line in the show. Oh yeah. Uh, what is grief? If not love persevering. I mean. Yeah. That was the line when they said it. And Vision says it to Wanda, right? Yes. When it when it occurs, and you're watching it for the first time, you're you're just like, is this is this poetry he's reading? Like this is a beautiful, right? Like what? Which Shakespeare play is this from? Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, I had the I had the exact experience of like, like someone took a knife in my gut. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that that was it, you know, and that was. And that was what made all the sadness and the destruction so much harder and so much more poignant because it was like this misguided missile of love, Mm -hmm. you know, Yeah, that just, that just wowed me. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just a, a show that really managed to be poignant while also, you know, a comic book series, weekly series, you know, it's just so many things at once. And it was artistically kind of fascinating, you know, the way they were able to change tones from week to week to week and uh, do that so well, you know, for people who who like TV, you know, and I've liked TV for a long time. It was (laughs) kind of a treat to watch them go through the history of TV like that. Totally, totally. No, great show. Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. All right, Wanda. Well, wishing you better times ahead. We'll circle back after Jordana watches this, <laughs> the multiverse <laughs> of madness and sees what she's up to now. Oh, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> I only, I, I oh no. I'm, I'm really revealing myself to be the weak link in this podcast. I mean, I had to have Adam basically hold my hand through the patient and <laughs> <laughs> now this. 
<laughs> like, what, what do I bring to the table here anyway? But that's for another um, session with my own personal therapist. But until then. Until then. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> Always great to talk with you, Jordana. Same. See you next time. Bye. See you next time. Bye. Please be advised that Characters on the Couch is a show focused only on fictional people, and none of the content should be considered medical or professional advice in any way. If you or someone you know is struggling with your mental health, please seek out professional consultation. Thank you. Thanks so much. Hope to see you guys next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.